0: Only at sleep number stores or sleepnumber.com. As a mom, vegan of 20 years and entrepreneur, I need a lot of energy, and I turn to athletic greens to help me out. Athletic Greens is part of the daily nutrition regimen for thousands of top performers, professional athletes, and health-conscious go-getters worldwide, including USA cycling and endurance athletes. So I knew I would trust them. It's developed from a complex blend of 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. And it's a comprehensive all-in-one greens powder engineered to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet and support your body's nutritional needs across the four pillars of health, gut health, immune system, energy and recovery. And these are all things that I'm super interested in. I put a scoop in my smoothie in the morning and it feels amazing to know that I'm set up to feel my best and sustain my energy all day long. Try for yourself at athleticgreens.com/lityoga. That's athleticgreens.com/lityoga and get lit up. Welcome to Wednesday Q and A, where you all ask the questions and we answer. I am joined by my wonderful friend, physical therapist, lit senior teacher extraordinaire, Kristen Williams, hey, hey. also known as KB. So yes. KB, why don't you start us off with questions? We have a lot this week. We won't get to them all, but we will get to as many as we can. Do you have Julie's in front of you? Well, you know I don't, but I'll start off with this one. Okay, and then and then I'll pull it up. I'll do Julie next. Yes. So this one is from. Oh my gosh, where is her name? Hmm, sorry, I don't have her name on here. It's a very long question. Okay, so I'll just read it and she'll know. Maybe I'll find it in here. Okay. Hi, Laura, Kristen, you're both so amazing. Thank you for your work and for giving your students the chance to ask questions. It's been almost a year since I started Lit and I'm loving it. For the past couple months, I've been experiencing a pinching feeling in my lateral posterior right hip when doing modified side plank and half moon. It doesn't matter much if I kick stance, that would be like turning the lower leg uh, perpendicular. In half moon, I've tried turning my foot out a bit, but again, no significant change. I've always thought my right hip was stronger, but lately I'm wondering if I actually have more trouble engaging that glute. I've noticed that I seem to want to stick my butt out in side planks, sort of passively fall into that right, into that hip. And I'm not sure if this is my attempt to avoid the pinching or perhaps the reason the pinching started. I don't feel the pinching when I hip circle in down dog or dolphin. So perhaps it's only a problem when I am weight bearing. I haven't felt it in any other poses. So my question in modified side plank, are you aggressively contracting the glute on the down leg, getting some hip extension? Any thoughts on what's happening, exercises, modifications, or problem solving ideas would be greatly appreciated. All right. Oh, and she says, I can still do the poses, but don't want to be inflaming my hip or perpetuating a bad habit I might be doing. Thanks again. You're the best. It's Amy.
1: So, uh, do you want to start off? Sure. I can definitely go like where my brain goes with that right away is because I, th- this is a hard thing, the butting out in side plank. I mean, I find myself doing it. The head goes forward, the butt goes back, and you kind of create this concavity of your body. And where I find in order to reverse that, yes, there's some glute, but there's a lot of, she's feeling it in her hip, but I'm not sure it's a hip thing because she's not feeling it. No matter how she moves her hip, it doesn't change. So I'm wondering if she is not engaging the obliques on that side to lift, not engaging her serratus or her lat to set into the scapula, so I don't think it's the hip because she has said, I turn my hip this way, I turn my hip. I mean, if she can't adjust it with a, with a kickstand or with a half moon, I feel like it's not coming from there. Although she's feeling it there, and we see this a lot, where, pe- where people will either be a little bit weak in their glute max, so they don't get that hip extension, and then able to lift in the side body to spread the demand across, you know, when you think about side plank, think about any type and any plank period, but uh, uh, specifically modified side plank, side plank, that's a huge demand that you're spreading across the entire side body. So the shoulder has to work. The hip has to work. The lateral abdominal core has to work. So the fact that she's feeling that in her posterolateral hip makes me wonder what's happening at that probably same side scapula, and lateral abdominal core. I would really love to investigate that with her or just Amy, try it when you're in that side plank or side plank would be easier because you can really get that, get that exaggerated lift, laterally flex at your spine and draw the scapula down and see what happens. Are you able to decrease that tension across whatever soft tissue structure she might be getting into that's where my brain immediately went because i've seen this a lot especially since we've been you know working so much more through zoom i'm doing so much more observation i see what people are doing that i didn't catch as easily walking around a room and engaging now i'm just staring or moving with them so what's your thought with that laura
0: oh i i totally agree i I don't think it's the the hip that's causing it i think that Because yeah, it's so funny, modified side plank, side plank, you you think like you'd see one version and you see many versions. So the first thing I would do is always look at the actual structural lineup. Is your shoulder right over the wrist? Even if it's back a little bit, you aren't engaging well in the the scapula. You really need that shoulder almost to the point, like sometimes I'll look at my videos and it looks like my shoulder is beyond my wrist because I'm just clicking that scapula so much but that leverage that I'm getting by really connecting to the serratus to the obliques is it it uh, it's, it becomes like it unweights everything below it you know mm-hmm. so if your position of your hand is really a little bit forward even even if you think your shoulder is over your wrist um, maybe try bringing it like the wrist even farther back so that you can feel until you feel because what's most important is the clicking yep. so you align your wrist. To be able to do that. The other thing, all the things Kristen said, but I would really, what is your chin doing? Like, if your chin is drifting up at all, that's encouraging your ribs to flare. And a lot of people balance that way. They kind of take that, they get into the lat instead of the serratus, they push their ribs even a tiny, tiny amount. You really have to draw the chin in. Think of like pulling the pubic bone and chin together and then really firming the front ribs in place. You're not rounding, but you are not letting them project forward because when that the rib cage goes forward, there's a tightening in that mid to lower back, and that can translate into that hip because the the hip, the knees on the ground, so the hip is going to bear the load where someone else, you know, it's like if you look at a tent or some kind of construction and it's not centered, one area is is light and the other areas are having to Kind of try and hold their stakes, so to speak. So that's essentially where you're feeling it is in the hip. I, I, yeah, like Kristen said, I doubt it's fully because maybe your glute isn't working as well. But honestly, I think it's your abdominal core that's not working quite as well, and it might be just simply the setup. So the other thing to think about is: Are you really holding those transverse abdominals strong? Because they and the lifting up of the pelvic contents, which is like a huge a combination of pelvic floor and abdominal wall giving support to the spine. Cuz if you're sinking into your hip, you're probably not supporting the spine as well either. So, those are a lot of things to think about, but a look at your setup, film yourself. I we we say this all the time to our teacher trainees like film yourself because you don't know where you're kind of sinking. You might feel like, "Oh, I need to engage my glute more." but engaging your glute more, if that's not helping, then, then that's not the issue. It's, it's like one kind of um, stake in the ground, but the rest of it is not, are, are not doing their parts. So
1: yeah.
0: great question. You're not alone. Who would think modified side plank would be such a beast? And it really is because really, really. It, it summons the proximal muscles. So proximal muscles, for those of you who aren't quite sure, like it is the muscles that are closest to the bones And they need to be stabilized so that you can balance well, so that you can move well, so you can hold your center well. And there's a lot of ways where we cannot do that. Sticking out your chin, sticking out your ribs,
1: you know, not connect. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we don't even realize it because it's so easy to sink into our passive structures.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: that's what I think she's feeling is she's sinking into that passive structure somehow, because the other part, like you said, isn't doing the job, whether it's yeah. It's the setup. It's the posture. It's finding it your triple S basically everywhere. In <laughs> pose. The triple and, S yeah. is the crux. It is the... It is. The tra- it, is. it is.
0: Thank goodness we're trademarking that. <laughs> <I know. laughs> we use it so much, but it is literally, it all boils down to that. How can you hold your chisel together? And it's that plumb line. And then everything else, uh, every you know, all the parts come in. We've talked about the rowers on the boat. You don't want four rowers showing up and drinking beer because the other four are going to get pissed off. And that is in the form of injury, tweakiness, which you're starting to feel and stuff like that. So make sure everybody shows up.
1: All right, awesome. All right, I found Julie's here. Good. All right, this is our dear friend, Julie Miller. Um, she says, my, this is now she's talking from one of her yogi. So she's a teacher as well. She's a lit uh, yoga teacher in Australia. So she says her client's issues are number one, bunions, Morton's neuroma. This affects the second and third toe on both feet. Both now feel numb. She also has bursitis and inflammation around the neuroma and arthritis all on both feet. My ankles are now sore around the outer ankle bone. I'm wearing neurothodic sand shoes, and I also wear soft shoes in the house, as it's too painful to walk on tile floors. I will continue to work with my podiatrist, but my balance is being affected in yoga. Thank you. I would appreciate any tips or ideas on how to manage these problems, by the way, she's purchasing correct toes as, as Julie sent that. So we know she's getting correct toes. She's having some issues. What is, what's the first thing that pops in your brain with that? Uh,
0: The first thing that pops in my brain is wow, because, you know, this is our contact point with the ground that, and energy from the ground that comes up and that, that stimulates the muscle contraction that stimulates us to be able to hold ourselves well. So yeah, her balance, her center of mass has got to be affected. Yes, you got correct toes, or you're getting correct toes. That's a great start. And I actually think they're easier to adapt to than sometimes these podiat- podiatrists like correct, you know, orthotics and stuff because they're it's it's manageable. They're just trying to spread your toes out. But in spreading the toes out, you're gonna feel more of the distributed pressure through the metatarsal heads. Hopefully that'll take some of that pressure out of the the neuroma. You know, I would recommend, because if this has happened, there's a lot of other things up the chain that are also probably, you know, malfunctioning, so to speak. So I would not, and I'm sure this woman sounds like she, or a man sounds like it's not the issue, but I would really not give up doing a, you know, a lit program, but focus a lot on the ground. What can you do there? Get the stability, the mobility, of the hips, uh, the core integration. Work the other parts that are going to help those poor little feet out. Because the fact that you're feeling this in the outer ankles means you're probably trying to unweight your, you know, first and second metatarsal heads and roll. That's because you don't want to feel that pain from the Morton's neuroma. It is a pain. The other thing I would recommend is something that I've really, I, I really do believe in now, which is this TED's brain cream, um, pain cream. I interviewed him on a podcast. If you haven't listened to it, it's coming. It's coming out. By the time this co- comes out, it should be out. This was developed by a neuroscientist, and what it really helps with is these particular issues: bursitis, uh, arthritis. Any kind of nerve type things that is is giving a where your pain responses are on high, because the theory is that your brain response you know pain is a is is an output. It's it's an interpretation of signals that are given into the brain and then they come out. And when you have something like this, it's it's like that area of the brain is that it kind of almost um, gets in overdrive. It's like the circuits are overdriving. And it isn't to say so what you're experiencing is real. It's just that your brain's response to it is heightened and it doesn't settle down. And so what the um, brain cream does, and he would say it much more eloquently, so listen to that, is essentially is ba- basically like chilling out that part of the brain. So it's not going into the area of the pain. It's actually going into the interpretation of the pain. Brain, pain. So I personally have been using this on a very, very old tweaky area that doesn't tend to bother me, except like if I go for a run or I run a few steps, it's like, I'll feel it. This is an injury. This is like right by my SI joint. I mean, this is like 20 years old from doing a lot of, you know, probably back bends the wrong way or whatever. And from landing from a jump and it kind of jarred that and then running on it. I just, it's just like an area that is my hotspot. Well, I've been putting this on there and I don't feel it when I'm doing yoga. And like, there's points where I would be doing yoga and it's like, I feel it. It doesn't feel like pain. I just want to be clear. It's just an awareness like, Oh, that's where an old injury was. You know, it's like that history that's written in here. Well, I've been using that on there. And I mean, this again is not a commercial. I'm telling you it fucking works. It's crazy. (laughs) So the point is there's, I would do multi-prong approach when you have something like this, because the fur, it sounds like she really wants to continue doing yoga. I would try that Ted's brain cream out. It is so reasonably priced. You can get it on Amazon and rub it in that area multiple times a day. In addition to spreading the toes, in addition to working on your core and proximal um, stuff and yeah, see what happens. KB. I would not have gone off on that tangent had I not thought of it because it specifically says it's for these type of things that become it's like a scab that's broken open and it doesn't know how to heal because the brain is just saying nope you're still injured you're still injured you're still in this inflammatory cycle and it just the layers of the scab can't form so it's helping from another
1: direction from the from the neurology of it Well and we know that this is most common in our extremities. Any type of complex regional pain, which, you know, not that I'm saying that she has that, but is most common in the extremities because they are the furthest or the most distal. So they they have the the, the longest wire back up to the brain to have dysfunction. So I think what Laura is saying is great. You're not, it's not going to be one answer. It's Mm -hmm. going to be probably for something like this that's been going on for so long and is so multi-dimensional neuroma, uh, bursitis, you know, and now it's getting to your lateral ankle. No wonder we need to go all the way up that chain with it. So I love that idea, uh, that desensitization by way of cream, by way of, you know, hands on, but also, you know, take a look at those hips because yes, if the foot's having to, we know she's rolling. As soon as she said it, lateral ankle, I was like, well, yeah, because you're trying, like you said, trying to get off there. So you're, you had this increased demand at the ankle. Well, where's the first place to take off demand from the foot and ankle? It's the hip. So make Mm -hmm. sure those guys are working well. Make sure that you're able to really, that they have, they have mobility. They have stability, our three favorite things, and adaptability. So you're not having to work harder with the foot and ankle. I was just working with someone today where we were looking and just, what you know, I was watching her foot and it was doing this thing. Was, oh, well, yeah. Then we look at the hip and suddenly the hip is not. So it's like, well, that's why that poor foot's working so hard. You know, so get your correct toes, try the TEDS uh, brain cream um, work the hips, work the core, continue to build strength proximally. Um, so, so hopefully, you know, I would not be surprised if, if she doesn't see some measure of decrease because pain, pain, remember people, pain is not local. Pain is an output from the brain. So what can we do to change that, Um, It's not saying it's not real because it's very real. It's very real, but it's
0: changing the brain's output and interpret. Yeah. Because again, when you're in that, like, and especially these regional pain things, I mean, it is like you're, it is almost like an autoimmune disease. When you're, when your um, um, immune system thinks something that's not, you know, a foreign antibody goes and over and it attacks it. And so it's like, that's what autoimmune disease is. It's like a misinterpretation and then a major misfiring. And that happens in the brain with pain as well, especially in those, those like you were saying, those distal areas where it is it is real and it hurts. But if you can like short circuit and be like, hey, brain, I'm actually okay here. Let me it heal. Re- Let reboot. me reboot. Yeah, exactly. Reboot. So uh, we hope that helps. Yeah. All right. So speaking of hips, this is a little bit of a, a hint. Um, Laura Wild at Heart wrote me, hi, Laura, a question for your podcast. I never had knee pain until I started practicing lit style yoga with lots of bent knees when I got really painful and inflamed kneecaps. My sister also a physio assessed me and told me to stop flexing my knees as much. Since then, I've returned to a more traditional yoga approach with straighter legs while practicing. The pain is gone and I no longer have any inflammation there. I've also stopped practicing goddess pose altogether because my knees turn inward naturally and goddess pose massively exacerbated this. My question is, is this something that I'm doing wrong or could be done better when I flex my knees? Or is it simply that my body suits straighter legs more? Thank you in advance. I absolutely love lit your philosophy and teaching and I'm saving to eventually do your teacher training. Woo. Okay. So when she said this, my, my first instinct was it has nothing to do with your knees, right? I mean, that's always, always, always. So if she's practicing and she's been normally practicing with straight knees and now she's practicing lit where we encourage you to bend your knees, we don't say you have to bend your knees. And so she started doing that, but then she started getting pain. Well, that is not about your knee. And, and I wrote her this, by the way, but I really wanted to bring this up because we see this. It's more comfortable to straighten the legs and fold forward, for instance. Well, that's because you're doing it from your pelvis and your spine, and then your knees aren't affected because you're just keeping them straight. And when you bend your knees because you've been used to bending from your pelvis or spine, it drives your femur into your kneecap because you're not mobilizing your hip. And then when you said the whole thing about goddess, well that just is the big like thank you for adding that on because my first instinct was like it sounds like she's probably tilting in your pelvis and then because if you tilt in your pelvis versus hinge in your hips your femur goes into your knee and you do that enough times and you weren't used to that, it bothers you. Well, so the answer is, then you said this thing about goddess and it's like, okay, well, the fact that your goddess is more an internal rotation really shows that, yes, it could be your whole lineup of how your femur goes into your acetabulum, the length of your femoral neck, the angle but my gut tells me you are not flexing well in your hip and that so if you don't flex well it it affects every other motion it affects your extension your external rotation your internal rotation so you actually need to let your knees bend but you need to drive your femurs back into your glutes so when we talk about putting your fingers in your hips you don't have to bend them excessively you just need to let them not be straight because when you straighten your knee and your your bowl is balanced on top, your pelvic bowl, your knees straighten and your pelvis goes back like anteriorly tilts. So that just is a movement that we talk about brain mapping that just becomes brain mapped. So when we said, bend your knees, you're still doing the same thing with your pelvis. But now when you bend that the femur is going into the knee instead of the femur going back toward the glutes. I hope that makes sense. And this was great. I thought this was so interesting because we don't get a lot of people that say like, Oh, that bothered me, but it's because that was a missing piece of it. And I see that your physio sister told you to stop bending your knees. That is an interesting assessment, but I don't think she really was looking at the hips. Right. Because obviously the easy answer is don't flex your knees if it bothers you, but it's like, well, you should be able to flex your knees. You should be able to bend your knees and not experience that pain. We want to be doing that trillions of times because the knees are going to follow what the hips are doing. But if the hips aren't doing it, it's, it'll dry. And we all, like Crystal talk about now, knees are yeah. just going to have. Well,
1: a, and I think, yeah, the fact that I think her take home message was you told me to bend my knees. Yes. We tell you to flex. You, you heard bend your knees because that's what you see. Yeah. But I, our big message like Lara said is flex at your hips. Yes, yeah. And then the knees naturally bend. So I love that you pointed that out with the mechanics and I also would love her to look at her ankles too. Make sure that those guys are dorsiflexing yes. because the movement in in her ankles might, you know, keeping the knees straight, you're going to send that pelvis back and not really have to dorsiflex in your ankles either. So look at the mobility if you mobilize your hips into flexion And then into some rotation as well but definitely that flexion and then your ankles i think not only in your yoga practice but just in your life practice i mean trust me i'm someone who's suffered from anterior knee pain i'm a uh, recovered marathoner you know i'm a i've I, i every time i bend down it doesn't hurt but i hear it i i've heard the damage i've done to my knees and that was because i never thought about my hips or my pelvis and and so uh, I love, love, love that she's saving money for our teacher training because it's all going to click in there. Oh, where it'll click learn. in. Right, yes, right. Yes, the bending of the knees is, the knees are dumb. The dumb joints, they just do what the hip and ankles say. So if you can flex at that hips and dorsiflex at your ankles, you will not put pressure through that anterior knee and you'll be, you'll just be stronger, quite frankly. That yeah. And there, this is too. Yeah.
0: And this is why, I mean, we have one of our, oldest and dearest, uh, oldest, not old, but old as in been with us for a long time. Jane is, I mean, she has two knees that were operated on 30 some years ago. She She has has no no cartilage in there. She has no (laughs) kidney caps and she is doing everything. I mean, every time I'm like, she's in our class, I'm like, I'm like, is Jane going to be able to do this? I don't even know why I doubt her anymore. I'm talking about getting on the ground, getting up, doing it with grace. And it's amazing. And it's because. She's using, the mo- she's using the joints she's supposed to be using. She's for using hips her hips. She's using her ankles. She's using her core for stability. And she can do it all. And she has literally no knees. So, <laughs> I mean, she has them. But there's no mechanical, you know, knee there. It's, it's crazy. So it is, I really love this question because you're not alone. You have to look, and this is, again, what we talk about. You look Globally. Like KB said, how are your ankles moving? If they're not moving well, your knee's going to excessively move. If your hips aren't moving well, your knee's going to excessively move. So uh, I loved your question. I hope this makes sense. And you can always, and we look forward to having you in a training soon. So, all right. This was a great uh, set of questions. As always, we're running out of time. We've got more to come. You can always write us on Instagram, Hyman or KBWilliams99. And or send an email at support at lityoga.com. Any way you'd like to have us answer your questions, we hope we do them justice. Thank you so much, my darling. You're welcome. Love, I love, love you. Right, And as always, okay. we are pulling for you.
1: Woo!